HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org donate. Thanks for listening. Are you going to be videotaping your holidays this summer for social media? If you are, you'll want to listen to this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. Today is November 30th, 2017. This is episode 120 of Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today, that person is Faraday Sadigan, who is the culinary director at Munchies, a little... A little digital media platform you might have heard from from Vice. Faraday, thanks for coming out this morning. Thanks. It's great to be here. We're excited to have you. It's also 
we're winding down the end of the year. It's a great time to be talking about food videos and cooking and things like that because we are in full swing for the holidays. It's exciting. I see a lot more food in my social media feeds and in the media now. I feel like every time I turn around, there's like a giant turkey. Yeah, turkeys, cookies, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, and then what to do with all those leftovers, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. But before we get on to the usual business of the show, talking about apps and such, I want to dispense with a little bit of holiday business. First piece of holiday business is, what are you doing on Monday? Monday night, December 4th. I'm assuming if you love a good time and you love DJ music and you love chefs and wine and cocktails and fun and Heritage Radio, you will be joining us at Winter in the Garden, our first holiday party ever. It's on Monday night, December 4th at 6 p.m. at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens in the Palm House and the Yellow Magnolia Cafe. It's going to be really fun. Um, as you heard the promo leading into this, we're looking to raise $150,000 by the end of the year. Otherwise... There may be no more radio. I know that sounds extreme, but it's true. (coughs) Tickets to our holiday party start at $95. And it comes with a one-year membership to Heritage Radio, which is amazing. So if you were going to buy a membership to Heritage Radio, you should just come to the party because then you can have it with drinks. And that's always better. If you use the code TECHBITES, T-E-C-H-B-I-T-E-S, you can get 15% off. So I will be there. I hope you will be there. If you are there, make sure you come and introduce yourself to me because I won't recognize you because I can't see you on radio. But I will post my picture on social media so you can recognize me. So hope to see you Monday, December 4th. You can get your tickets at eventbrite.com, Heritage Radio Network, Winter in the Garden, Holiday Party and Tasting. See you there. Now, On to the rest of the show. We're going to start the episode like we always do, going around talking about apps, apps we love, old favorites, new ones we've just discovered. And David, are we are we still on your quest for a video file transfer app? Have we? I I have solved the problem. Yay! Where's the? Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. What a great audience. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I actually I opened a support ticket with Google because I saw this was a common problem being reported on the internet, and they I thought selfishly suggested that I try using their Google Play Music app as an alternative. So typical, yeah, of Google that self promotion so thing. Selfish. But um, yeah, so I figured, okay, I don't really have any other solution, and it's been go- going on way too long, and. Uh, it, w- it took a while. I had to upload all of my music that I wanted on the phone to the Google Play Music uh, app on my computer and then download everything from there to the phone. So it took a while, but it's finished now and I have all my music. And now if I want to add stuff, I can do it a la carte. I don't have to do it in bulk like I did that first time. So it's working? It's working. Yeah, it's great. And you can... You can... Um, I could have streamed everything with with an internet connection, but I wanted to have it, you know, offline. So that was the reason for having to download everything. So it's great; I can listen to it in the subway or wherever else. I don't have internet. Yeah. And the Google thing was free, right? Yeah, it's free. Of course, now Google has 
an in-depth knowledge of my musical taste, but I guess they probably already know. Yeah, they what probably. Size that's I wear probably. Anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the least of your worries in terms of what Google knows about you. Right. So it wound up being okay, and you wind up, you wound up solving it for free. Do you think that it went easier for you because you have an Android phone? I assume. I don't really know what Google integration on iPhones is like because I've never had one, but I have to assume that. Yes. Okay. Well. I'm glad that was solved. Sorry we couldn't help you out a it's little okay. bit more. It's okay. It's a with Christmas that, miracle. You know, yeah, almost. Almost. Now let's just hope it doesn't crash. I love the sound effects. Is everybody okay? They're great. Yeah. This is awesome. Is yeah. everybody okay? In there? <laughs> it's really fun. I, I wish <laughs> I could have you come with me throughout my day and just like, you know, do sound effects for me in my life while I'm doing different things. That would just be amazing. Do I get benefits? Uh, we can talk about that. What kind of benefits do you want? All right. We'll link up offline. All right. <laughs> Faraday, do you have an app that you like right now or an old favorite or something you just can't shake? I mean, honestly, and I probably am one of many people who will say this, Instagram is is my uh, my favorite. I use that all the time. I love it. I like to see what, you know, my friends are posting, what they're doing, where they're eating. Um, and I'm a huge fan now of the Instagram story. Instagram, I don't even post pictures that much anymore on Instagram, but Instagram story is just like, it's the best. I don't use like Snapchat or anything anymore. I think the Instagram story is just like kind of, it's fun. You think Instagram story is a Snapchat killer? I mean, it definitely killed it for me. Okay. I, I deleted Snapchat from my phone. Yeah. <gasps> I know. There was a moment in time when I think, you know, everybody thought Snapchat was going to just rule the world. I know. Nope. I think that um, Instagram is it. <laughs> and what makes the stories so much more interesting than just this, the static images? Um, I think that you get, you know, a bit more of a, I know, I like to have fun with it where I don't, there's not that also that pressure of posting this, you know, photo, you know, um, I think that because it's gone within 24 hours, that's really nice. Um, so you can kind of post a lot of different things and then it disappears. <laughs> you don't have to think about it again necessarily. The ethereal part of it. Yeah. But it has to exist somewhere. I'm sure there's some repository somewhere where all the 24 hour stories go to die. The oh, 24 sure. hour story boneyard, you know, where they're all just in there. I know, right? Because mm. nothing ever truly dies in the internet. No, it always comes back it's to the always, <laughs> always somewhere. Always somewhere. Lurking. We did a very fun show, uh, I think in the end of the summer, on the terms of use for Instagram. We had an IP attorney come on who's a, a reoccurring guest on the show who's great. And uh, we literally like started to read through the terms of use that you agree to when you sign up for and Instagram. And nobody reads those. Nobody reads anything. <laughs> nobody reads any of them. Nope. And um, they're long and they're interesting. And, you know, um, all of your location data and having it track you when you're using it, when you're not using it, what you know they can and can't do with your photos and your images and everything. It's it's amazing. It's creepy. Yeah, and no, <laughs> and and systematically nobody reads the terms of agreement. No, definitely not. Yeah, nope. having you, fun posting pictures. <laughs> exactly, and then watching them disappear. Exactly. Well, my app this week is also not a new one, but it's new to me. Audible. The app where you, you know, get Audible books. And now you'd think I'm a podcaster, talk radio person, and I listen to quite a few podcasts and talk radio, but I'm not a, I'm not an Audible book person. And I have a friend who's really into the Audible books, and every time she would say to me, oh, I just read this great book, I would always kind of snarkily say to her, oh, did you read it? 
or did someone read it to you? <laughs> because to me, there's a big difference between actually reading a book and, and listening to a book. That said, listening to books are kind of great, especially when it's a book that's being read by the person who wrote it. And my gateway audible book was the Trevor Noah Born a Crime, which is amazing because he's reading it and he does all the voices. And it's a very, very unexpected, powerful, funny, cinematic, amazing story that he's written about his life and himself. So it's really good. So there's all kinds of deals now. Get books free, share books, do all that kind of thing. I listen to them with friends sometimes. And then just having been on a big travel trip for the holidays, you know, it's great to have something to kind of listen to to keep you moving while your, yeah. flight, your flight is delayed. Around so those long audible. road trips. I love that. Yeah, exactly. So it's good. So audible. Not a new one, but a good one. Let somebody read you a book today. Yeah. <laughs> a little bedtime story. <laughs> So we are talking not about audio, but video today with Faraday, who is the culinary director of Munchies. That's a vice property. The interesting thing about Munchies, and we're going to talk today a lot about video, is that most of the traditional food media started off in the traditional space of like print and magazines, and then they had to evolve online. And then once they got online, they had to figure out how they were going to evolve into photos and then videos and all these kinds of things, where Munchies just started as video back in 2012. 2012, which we researched right before the show <laughs> when we were talking, um, started off with their video show, Late Night Eats with Chefs. So they've already been in the video space, and now they're just kind of refining it, which I think is interesting. And going back to then print with a cookbook, yeah, which yeah. is also different. So you're sort of, Munchies is kind of the reverse trajectory yeah, of we're most so, traditional We're so retro with media. our cookbooks, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know that retro is a word that people would use in conjunction <laughs> with munchies or vice, but maybe because maybe. of the paper. Maybe. So they have, a, they have a bunch of video things that are happening right now. And, you know, so many people, you know, consume media. And now, you know, as we just talked about at the top of the show, you're making your own media. People are making their own media. So walk us through just a little bit because... Y I think Munchies definitely would be considered expertise in the online video category. What's the difference between all your different properties? Like you would do a story with someone, a video story, but now there's like four or five different digital platforms you can put that story into. Right. So we, um, at, you know, at Munchies, we have, we'll put things on our website, on our Vice video player, and then we'll cut things differently for our YouTube channel. We'll have a more of extended cut. Um, you know, maybe like eight to 10 to 20 minutes sometimes. Um, we also have, you know, Viceland, which is our TV channel. Um, and we'll have shows that, you know, were started on Munchies on our YouTube channel that have now been picked up by our TV channel as well. Um, and we'll also cut things differently, you know, for the Facebook audience versus our Instagram audience. Um, you know, for Instagram, it's about a lot shorter of a cut. For Facebook, it started off maybe as, you know, the one to two minute videos. And now, um, you know, some of them are like, you know, maybe three to six minutes. And now with Facebook, we're seeing the trend where you can um, start kind of series and you can subscribe to series on Facebook and we're in development. Um, we've got a, well, a how-to channel that you can subscribe to, which um, is really an extension of our, a lot of videos we've done for our YouTube channel. Um, and we're doing, developing more series that are just Facebook only series. Um, so yeah, we're kind of going a little bit everywhere with these things. 
So when you think about food stories that you want to tell, do you think about one story and then how you're going to slice and dice it and repackage it from different points of view across these different channels? Do you have a story come to you and you say, you know what, this is perfect for Facebook or this is perfect for TV, you know? Totally. I mean, I think that we definitely will repackage things. Like sometimes, you know, when I'm doing a video, um, you know, for instance, we just did, um, you know, for Thanksgiving leftovers, Thanksgiving leftover calzone, um, which we put on our Instagram page. We put that on um, Facebook and it's gone on the Vice video player as well. So we'll kind of shoot things a little bit differently for the Facebook audience. Um, You know, we'll have to definitely caption things because we find that people, when they're watching videos on Facebook, they're not listening to it. Um, maybe they're watching it on the subway or something. So we'll, you know, capture at work at work. Yeah. kind (laughs) of cheating a bit. Um, and then, you know, versus what we put on our, on our YouTube channel and Instagram and all that. So, and you know, but we usually, when we do a video, we don't shoot it like a million times. We literally just shoot it one time all the way through. And then, but we have like two to three different cameras shooting it. So maybe one person's on the wide, one's just really up close on the hands. And just the way our production team, um, chooses to edit it is how that kind of goes Um, and how it gets cut for the different platforms that we use. So going into it, do you know how a story is going to pan out across which platforms? Or are you shooting and you wait and you see what you get? Do you wait and see how people react to things and then maybe recut, repurpose, repost? Totally. We definitely, I mean, we have such a huge archive of videos um, that, and we're recutting things now from our archives, from our our videos for our Facebook audience um, and just putting up, you know, a few uh, videos on Facebook a week. Um, in the way that we do things now, we're definitely more um, aware of how we're shooting things. Um, our production team is amazing in the way that they do it. I, I don't know how they do it sometimes. They, I sit there and I'm just, I know that our producers, I sit there and I just talk and kind of blabber on and on um, during my videos. And, you know, they have to like lead me a little bit to get the, you know, the, the shots they want. We might stop and, and you know, reshoot something a little bit. But um, yeah, the way that they kind of guide the sh- actual shooting the video, they don't Fortunately, like we don't do a lot of, there's no like faking it or um, like it's all happening kind of in real time. And then they just, they're cutting it differently later. But is the happening in real time just by nature of the fact that you are producing so much content that you just need to keep moving through it? And also the sort of real life, you know, authenticity of it versus having five different versions of the pie at the different stages that you pull out of the magic kitchen oven. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're shooting sometimes three videos a day. Um, And sometimes it's just with me. Sometimes we have, you know, our awesome, you know, talent come in and different chefs that we work with. So um, we definitely trying to get through a lot in that short amount of time. And you're just kind of, it's all happening, getting it going. How much content, how much video content are you doing? On a day-to-day or week-to-week? Because it seems like it's a huge amount. I mean, almost as much as an outlet that's on like a news cycle or something like that. Or is it just the way you're, everything refreshes and the way you're pushing it out? Or No, we are shooting a lot. Um, I'd say that in the Munchie Test Kitchen, every Monday, Tuesday, we're shooting um, the Action Bronson show. Um, so that's production happening twice a week. And then probably, you know, I have chefs coming through the Test Kitchen um, on a weekly basis when, you know, probably at least like two to three times a week. And sometimes we're filming that. Sometimes we're just photographing it for our website. Um, and then, yeah. And then we're just doing sometimes maybe probably at least, 
you know, every other week we're just doing straight up videos. Like we'll take a day and just shoot videos that are going to go on, um, on Facebook or, or whatever. And then there's also just stuff that's just not happening in the test kitchen. There's just stuff happening all over the place, um, with our shows, you know, with the pizza show or, um, Bong Appetit. Um, and then we have our new series, um, Eat Net, which is a scripted show. Um, and the first time we've kind of dived into that, um, which has been really fun. Um, kind of like a, a, a little bit of a lighter, like kind of comedy, um, kind of poking fun, I think, at ourselves in the food world. Um, and it's been, that's been kind of a, an interesting thing instead of just like straight up, you know, like our talent kind of cooking. Reporting. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, the whole premise of it is a guy who kind of, you know, he worked in finance or whatever and made all this money and quit his job and decided to pursue his, you know, passion in the food world. And he hires a camera crew to kind of follow him, follow him around while he, um, you know, goes and meets with chefs and, and is cooking and eating. And it's just kind of, it's really funny. Actually, it's, it's a bit of mockumentary style um, as well with, it kind of reminds me a lot of The Office, um, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. Um, and so I think our audience, you know, has really been receptive to that. I watched a couple of episodes of it on YouTube. And actually, David, it reminded me a little bit of What's the Story? So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, similarly to the idea Thanks of eating it. <laughs> Well, and it's a great episode everyone should listen to of Tech Bytes. You can maybe find which episode number that was. The whole sort of, um, you know, emulating the blogger and the documentary and the video shoot, sort of the mockumentary style, is very funny. David worked on a, um, a project where it's a um, similar idea, but it's a podcast. And so it's a mockumentary, but a, it's a, a podcast, and it has similar to eating eat, eating it it has a cast of characters that are really sort of these like crazy would you call them a stereotype they're, David? they're caricatures of, caricatures. <laughs> of ourselves basically. Yeah. yeah but it's really funny and they do go and do all these crazy things and um i think it was what five episodes six episodes four sorry no it's okay four episodes yeah, you could see in eating it, you hit sort of some all of the touch points of he was a blogger and yeah. then he did like an online, you know, fundraising and the exactly. other episode that I saw was the pig restaurant that he went to and I know, you know. so funny. I mean, it kind of hits and not even the stereotypes of ourselves as people in the food world, but you know, the chefs as well, you know, yes. where it's like the farm to yes. table and then the guy you know who and does farm to table, he videos really videos of the pigs that you're eating yeah. playing in the dining room, <laughs> the actual pigs. Uh, it's it's a bit, it's it's fun. I mean, I think that for us, um, it's totally different from anything we've ever done, because um, most of our stuff is you know a bit more it's it's personality re- it's real. driven, it's very much so. super, yeah. Um, sort of a niche been, personality for for the different uh, facets of your demographic, yeah. And the personalities is the vehicles into the different food experiences. Yeah, it's funny because actually a friend of mine was like, "Oh, I just watched a new show you guys did. I really loved it." And she was talking about it, and I was like, "What?" what show are you talking about? And cause she was like, Oh, it's so great. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like that just so you know, I'm like, cause she's like this guy, you know, he really is awesome. And I was like, it's not real. Just FYI. Like she totally thought that it was a real show. And I was like, Oh wow. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> this is um, a moment where you kind of wish you could see people on radio because my yeah. eyes just got really big and I was like, Ow. your friend watched the show and thought it was, that dude was real. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's definitely not. And that's, Yeah. I mean, hashtag not the onion. <laughs> exactly. Hey, well, in the episode with the uh, farm to table restaurant and the guy who's really into the pig cooking, he's getting ready to cook and he puts on an apron 
And the host says, oh, you know, that's an amazing apron. He's like, oh, yeah, this is the very best uh, raw, you know, Japanese denim with, you know, handcrafted leather trim. And he said, wow, that looks really expensive. And he says, yeah, it is, which is why I put another apron on top of it <laughs> so it doesn't get dirty. And it's like, as soon as you see something like that, it's like, yeah. It's just so silly. But it's yeah. very close, though. Oh, it, I mean, 100%. It's very close to things that you actually... I mean, I see and hear out in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, you know, in extreme cases, but it's it's real. We all know, like, you know, people like that. And, you know, we get, you know, these beautiful, you know, maybe Headley and Bennett aprons or um, whatever. And they are, they're expensive and beautiful and nice. And you don't want to ruin them. And you, I know people who get these aprons and then they stay, they, they're not wearing them with another apron on top. They just aren't wearing them at all. You know, they're for, <laughs> which well, is. But, you know, when you, when that's your, it's different, I think, if you're a home cook or you're just buying it because it's something that you think is a, a beautiful object or thing you want to have. But when it's your profession and that's what you do every day, you know, the same way you would spend maybe, you know, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks on a pair of sneakers that you're going to work out in every week for a couple of years, you would spend money on like the tools of your job. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I know people, I know chefs who spend a lot of money on their work stuff, but it's their work stuff. Yeah. You know, you want to live in it. I mean, it's made to be, to be worn. Exactly. But that torn. apron thing was very funny. I know, it was cute. Yeah, it was. <laughs> How did that show come about? Did you decide to get into the scripted TV production, like all of the online entities, a la Amazon and Netflix? No, or? I think that it was one of those things. Um, did it get pitched? Did somebody pitch it Somebody pitched it. Our production team gets, and myself, we all get a lot of pitches um, from different people. And this is actually a pitch from somebody, um, a camera guy who used to work with us, Randy Foreman. Um, and he, um, we've worked with him before and we, we love him and he kind of, came out with this and like I said it was something we'd never done and you know we wanted to try it out so it's it's fun I think it's getting a good a good response nice well <laughs> yeah. Yeah, check it out it's called eating it I think you're up to episode three now yeah. it mm-hmm. launched in earlier this month November 2017 um, so that's a good thing to check out right now we are going to check out who our amazing sponsors are for this show Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. We are 100% member supported, which means we're kind of like public radio. We need you and our sponsors to keep the lights on and the mics hot. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. 
Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. We have lots of guests on from internet startup entrepreneurs, people creating apps and reservation software. We have people like Nathan Mirvold, who is the genius culinary bread lover behind modernist cuisine. Perhaps you've heard of it. If you want to have your own up-close personal experience with some of the luminaries of Tech Bytes and some of the other amazing people in the Heritage Radio Network world, we are running a holiday auction on Charity Buzz right now. It is live on Charity Buzz through December 7th, and there are some amazing, one-of-a-kind life experiences that you can purchase for yourself or if you're feeling like you're in the giving mood for somebody exceptional in your life who loves food. If you liked Tech Bites episode 114 with Nathan Mirvold talking about modernist bread or our podcast series Modernist Breadcrumbs, you might be interested in making a bid on the lot where you get to tour the Modernist Cuisine Cooking Lab and get a signed copy of the 2,500-page, five-volume book on bread. It's pretty amazing. The bidding starts at $500, which is actually less than the cost of the book. So check out our holiday auction on Charity Buzz. It's live through December 7th until 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is the perfect place for you to go and get that special someone an exceptional gift for the holidays and do some really good things and help Heritage Radio stay on the air. So that's my little holiday plug. Today we are talking with Faraday Sadigan, who is the culinary director of Munchies. That is the Vice property, all about food. You can find them online at munchies.vice.com, social media at Munchies. They're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. They've also just published a real life paper book called Munchies Late Night Eats from the World's Best Chef. That might also make a nice holiday gift for somebody. And they just have a lot going on. They're launching videos, events. It's hard to keep up with. The best thing to do is just log on, follow them, and, and keep up with it. I can barely keep up with it. And I'm focused on keeping up with it. So Faraday, you do so much video, and now it's the holidays. And I have seen so many people who are capturing their own holiday moments. The brag, the turkey brag, the pie brag, the table setting, all of those kinds of things. What are some what are some tips for people who are out there for making the best videos? Whether it's the Instagram story, whether it's something a little longer. You talk about you get pitches all the time. I'm sure you get lots of how-to videos. There's lots of people who want to be YouTube stars cooking. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Everyone everyone wants to be a star. Everyone wants to have a, a food video. I think nowadays. What um, are the t- including this guy on this show? eating it yeah (laughs) yeah if you could tell if you could grab him by the lapels and (laughs) shake him a little bit and tell him don't do that i know right? do this like what are some what are some of your top like do's and some of your definitely don'ts i mean i think that one of the top things for me is just knowing your audience um and knowing what you know what works for them and staying true to your own personal brand whatever that might be um 
What if I don't know who my audience is? What if I'm somebody who thinks I want to have an audience? Like, how do I... I mean, I think I mean, it's, it's easy sitting, you know, at a place like Munchies where you know who your audience is very yeah. clearly. I think it's more than defining what your brand is. And then I think that your brand will attract whatever that audience is, you know, whatever, whatever's attracted to your personal brand. Um, whether you're, you know, the pie queen, um, you know, like stick with those kind of things. Um, I think that, you know, I could be the pie queen. You could be the pie queen. I could be the pie queen. I wish I could be the pie queen. I'm more of a cake person myself. I make really good crust. Nice. Yeah. Crust is hard. I think that's definitely one of those intimidating things. It's hard to get it nice and flaky, but butter is the key. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, remaining true, I think it's, I think it's really across the world, you know, across in your life, just remaining true to yourself with these videos, <laughs> um, I think is, is top. Um, but you know, also just in knowing what platform you're going to kind of post these things to. So you, you know. post, so Munchies posts across all the platforms we and do. it sounds, I mean, it's definitely a full-time job for a cast of, of lots of people working on it. What's the easiest thing you think or the place where people are going to get the most traction if they just needed to focus their attention on maybe one channel? I think that, um, I mean, for us, it's Facebook. I think that our Facebook audience, we get a lot of um, a lot of views with our native videos. Um, and we're kind of like working a lot with just making sure that not only um, our videos get a lot of traction on there, but even just our articles and just recipe posts. What does native video mean? So a native video will just be something that's only posted for Facebook. It's not, um, and it's, you know, when you're watching Facebook um, or you're watching when you're scrolling through Facebook and it's a video that's just... Um, on there and you don't have to click through to another so you've to uploaded there. your video to Facebook yep. versus putting it on Vimeo or YouTube or something else and then copying and pasting a link to another video player yeah yeah I think that it's funny I think that um you definitely nowadays for us like we definitely have to play the game with with Facebook and figure out what works um and what doesn't and just kind of like what what's getting um what people are like kind of clicking on and clicking through to and everything it's interesting in that I, I feel like a few years ago, Facebook was so not cool and not the place to be for social media. And then over the past few years, it has made a huge comeback and is the place now. Yeah, I think so. And I think that it just makes a difference for, you know, for brands like us. Um, it's where most people are, are going, a lot of people are on Facebook and that's how we're getting traffic to our website is, you know, people on Facebook and then find, seeing an article they like and clicking through and going directly to the website. Um, but that being said, I think that, you know, Facebook is also trying to keep people on Facebook. So that's where the native videos come in. Um, and it's just getting, you know, your brand awareness. awareness so they've out there. started offering more features and types of media content that you can post was kind of copying the individual standalone things like Instagram. Now they have photos and stories yeah, in exactly. Facebook, same thing. And I mean, they are the same thing, but now inside Facebook. Exactly. And even using, um, you, you know, we're in development with um, doing a Facebook series um, with um, an amazing woman and writer and butcher and sausage maker, Cara Nicoletti, um, that's going to be coming out, you know, soon. And just doing other kind of like Facebook series like in that in that kind of way but I mean and also Instagram I think that most people like you know we see people at home will be posting things unless they have like their brand page kind of on Facebook then they're using Instagram a lot um, so we've established what the brand is right I'm the I'm the pie queen yeah you're the pie queen so I have a brand then what do I do in terms of creating great video content just um, as a regular person as a regular person who 
Well, a regular exceptional person because okay. I'm the pie queen. <laughs> well, first thing we got to polish your crown. Um, I think that you know when you're doing videos, it's just kind of um, knowing like how to maybe how to shoot it in a way. Um, I think that in- initially people a lot of times were you know doing a lot of those kind of hands only videos, um, and that works and still works. Um, for us, for Munchies, a lot of our stuff is personality driven. So, you know, we're doing videos that are more, you know, people cooking and talking and, and, and focusing on the food in that way. Um, yeah. So. So for a person at home, then that means if it's them, you either need a person to hold your camera. Does anybody do videos with cameras? You probably do. But the rest of the world is probably They're just doing it with their phone. Yeah. Right? You got to get your nice little tripod for your your iPhone and everything if you need to. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think it's, I think that also, I think that focusing on a good recipe, like getting a good recipe that you can do classic recipes. If you're doing, you know, here's your classic holiday apple pie or, um, you know, thinking of a new twist on an old classic, like an apple pie, like maybe it's a salted caramel apple pie or what are you doing in the crust? Is there something new you're doing? And, you know, getting things that people want to, um, want to see and want to make and, and eat. Um, yeah, so we're constantly kind of figuring out, like, you know, what is, like, what are we doing for the holidays? Like, we thought about, like, Thanksgiving, you know, we just did a bunch of Thanksgiving videos. Um, and, like, what worked, you know, what are people, what are people doing with their leftovers? We did, like, leftover calzone. We did a, lef- a leftover, like, a seven-layer dip, Thanksgiving seven-layer dip, which was was delicious, like, weird and delicious. But I think that those things are often, you know, that only has a certain shelf life to it. It only can come up, you know, for those few weeks a year. So I'd say that for um, for most people, I think that if you really want your recipe or your video to get more traction is to make it more evergreen. So it could be something that... And evergreen means... So something that you can... Um, not attached to a season or a specific point in time. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that you'll get... Like an all-season coat. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, for us, like we did, have, we do some like fun, you know, kind of Thanksgiving videos, but at the same time, we also are shooting videos of just, you know, um, like a potato gratin that can be, you know, throughout the winter or something. So maybe it's not in the summertime, but you're getting it for maybe six, you know, four to six months out of the year. People will want to watch that video and make that recipe. Um, so I think that it, some people get, you know, burdened down, by, bogged down by, you know, making a video specifically or a recipe specific to, you know, like Christmas or Hanukkah. And that's, that's great. But then also taking it and maybe what recutting it. the 11, mo- other 11 months of exactly. the year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that's one of my biggest, you know, things. And what we work on is just making content that we can repurpose for other times of year. So you have a focus to your brand. You're going to do video that's more personality driven. So the person and the recipe and a recipe that's evergreen. It's a very different proposition, though, taking pictures and videos of food and taking pictures and videos of people. But in a cooking video with a person, you need everything to look great, right? So is it a challenge to take video of people where the food looks good and the people look good? I mean, yeah, I I think that, you know, first and foremost, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, like for us, we're a food website. And so while our videos are personality driven, um, we want to make sure that, you know, the food is tasty and, and looking good and people are going to want to like come back and like there's a takeaway from that like you know they watch the video and then they're going to go and like take that recipe print it out at home and, and make it um, in their own kitchen for their friends and their family we did a show early on 
on the effects of Instagram on the restaurant world and restaurant media. And the, one of the interesting discussion points from the show was what do you do about a dish that tastes amazing? It looks terrible. It looks terrible. <laughs> oh, trust me. We've done, so, I've had to deal with that a lot. <laughs> and this was from, you know, the restaurant editor's point of view of, you know, there I am in a restaurant, I'm eating an amazing dish, but it tastes not great. But then there's another dish that looks spectacular, but doesn't taste great. Yeah. So how, how do you balance, how do you balance that out? I mean, which wins out or do you just only do recipes that are the sweet spot of looks great, tastes great? I mean, yeah, and I think when I, I used to work in magazines as well, and it was hard when we're doing recipes from, and we want to remain authentic to, you know, that what, whoever that chef was that made this recipe or whatever, and it just looks horrible. Um, so there's ways around that with, like, in terms of food styling sometimes. I mean, for video, it's kind of hard because at the end of the day, you're going to see the final product. Um, for print stuff and for your Instagram, sometimes maybe you want to photograph it um, like a process shot um, with more ingredients before they're cut up and turned into mush <laughs> or whatever makes it look terrible. Um, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I always want a recipe. When I'm developing a recipe, you want it to taste good. Um, I mean, people do eat with their eyes as well. And I think that that's where Instagram comes in, where people are, you know, looking through and just scrolling and they're like, oh my God, that looks amazing. I want to eat it. But if it doesn't taste good, that's like, that sucks, you know? Um, and that's like a waste of your, if you're, you know, you're going to a restaurant and ordering something and it tastes terrible, that sucks. You're wasting your money. Or if it's a recipe that you're making at home and, um, it tastes terrible. It doesn't work. Like that's the most depressing thing. <laughs> and Thanksgiving notoriously is not a really good looking meal. No. You know, I mean, it's basically <laughs> a lot of mush. A lot it's of all things. beige. It's all <laughs> yeah. shades of beige and brown. You know, you have your beigey white potatoes, the beigey white turkey, you know, the dark meat, which is not visually attractive. No. We brown have, gravy. The one thing I do say at my family, we have, um, well, green beans, obviously, but we do a, a lime jello mold, which is like fluorescent, practically green, which adds a bit of um, crazy color to the to the plate, which coincidentally this year, our Thanksgiving, I dropped it down the sink, unfortunately, while I was loosening it from the mold. It, I didn't have a plate in there like to catch it. And it would it have just, been a great Instagram video, it, though. Oh, my gosh. I would have been a great like, Instagram help, story. Help. Someone help like me. Like the jiggle and the slow-mo <laughs> and the disaster right and the down oh, no. the drain. It was, it was the saddest moment. I basically ruined Thanksgiving for my father because that's his favorite dish. <laughs> oh, terrible. I know. Terrible. Yeah, these things happen. Did you do that for um, Munchies, though? Because that sounds like it would be an amazing Thanksgiving video to put online. We the, didn't do that into a, a video, but that, that recipe is on Munchies, actually. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's one of those dishes that I think, you know, it's definitely weird and, and, and very retro, um, lime jello mold with like, you know, chunks of pineapple in it. Um, it's delicious though. <laughs> <laughs> it is delicious. So, and it looks cool. So I think that it, it kind of, um, you know, it has both of those aspects of looking good and tasting great. <laughs> so things to do and what are some of the things not to do? What have you learned over your time in doing videos for munchies of things that really never work out? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm not sure. What what have we done that's really like just kind of bombed? Um, or prepping your ingredients or well, definitely you light positioning or being prepared. And we always I mean, I think that a lot of times for you know people at home, if you don't have a big light setup doing things in natural light because um, it looks it's a bit more of a whiter kind of bluish kind of colors instead of a lot of darker colors um, 
but but yeah, we um, just being I'm always making sure you're prepared if you're if you're starting to cook something. You know, whenever I'm cooking a recipe, I have your mise en place ready. Your mise en place, like having everything kind of ready and cut up and ready to go, so that when once you start rolling or cooking, it's all there and you're not you know fumbling around looking for for something. <laughs> Mise en place, having everything ready, basically taking, going through your ingredient list and having all the ingredients in their proper format measured out and ready to go. Exactly. So what's up next for you in the Munchies video roster? So actually we have a show premiering tonight um, on Viceland. It's called It's Supper Time with Maddie Matheson. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's a fun kind of change for us a little bit. And for Maddie, it's a really a straight up cooking show. Um, so it's him kind of cooking, cooking dinner. Um, a few different recipes an episode. Um, we're, Do you so know what's for dinner tonight? Spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that'll be going up tonight on Viceland. Um, and then we're just working on, you know, for us, it's a lot of, for Munchies, a lot of our different videos, hangover cures. Um, what Do you have a good hangover cure? My hangover cure is my last call. Yeah. So my hangover cure is preventative. Yeah versus reactive and I do a couple things my first thing is that my last call regardless of what time it is is always a Campari and soda or some sort of bitters you know aperitivo kind of thing with club soda because that sort of medicinally herbal blend combined with the club soda is a really nice digestive and it kind of settles everything down in your stomach so I do that as last call and then before I go to sleep, I do two extra strength Alka-Seltzer in a giant glass of water. And I drink that before I go to sleep. So it's nice. a combination of the, you know, the stomach settling, you know, whatever the fizzy thing is in the Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. Combined with, there's some aspirin in there, combined with like literally a giant like half liter of water hydrating and then water I go to tea. sleep and then when I wake up I'm usually okay because I've been hydrated I had the aspirin I kind of settled the stomach you're really thinking ahead you're quite preventative I like that yeah I'm, it's, I'm usually the opposite and I wake up and I have a can of coke in the morning and that mm -hmm. kind of is my cure-all it, it's <laughs> it's been my hangover cure pre for years and it always it almost always works the only time when it really doesn't work is if you your sleep time isn't long enough yeah, for everything. Rest, I think, for everything, for all of the magic bubbles and everything to sort of do their job in your body. Like you need at least maybe like if if you're not gonna get at least four or five hours of sleep to sort of let everything kind of recuperate, then it might not work. But usually it works pretty good. Nice. Campari soda last call, Alka Seltzer in a lot of water, get some sleep and you'd be okay. And you're good to go. You're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> we'll make that into a video. We'll, we'll have to do that. Absolutely. We should totally do that. The best, and it'll be fun because it'll be like a last call thing. There you go. Yeah. And almost every bar, even divey bars, have Campari. Campari. Yeah. Almost every. And if you're in a fancy place, you know, if you're in a fancy, you know, cocktail -y or Italian place, they'll sometimes have like all specialty, you yeah. know, Camparis and things like that. So, but it's good. Nice. Yeah. I'm into that. Okay, we are out of time, sadly, but the internet is on always 24-7. So that means you can catch up with Munchies at munchies.vice.com or at Munchies on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, 
be sure to tune in tonight for It's Supper Time, world debut. We love that. We love announcing premieres on Tech Bytes. If you want to get in touch with us on Tech Bytes, you can go to at TechBytesHRN on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We're very interactive. We would love, love, love to hear from you. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. You can subscribe and listen in case you missed the live broadcast. We don't want you to miss anything. We have about a million listens a month on Heritage Radio from 65 countries, so you are in very good company. Tech Bytes is hosted and produced by Jennifer Leutzi. It is engineered by David Tatashore. We want to thank Uptown Nico. He is our resident DJ who made our amazing theme song, Nomad a CPU Track. And once again, it is the season of giving. We are entirely member supported. What did you spend on coffee today? Like that five bucks would help us tremendously. Go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and send us some love. And if you designate your gift to Tech Bytes, I will send you something special. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. This is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.